Do you want this or do you want this? Uh, no, this, uh, this is fine. Hallelujah. Um, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're okay, Gordon. Hallelujah. It's amazing. I have a deaf sound man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus has a sense of humor. He says, I have a ringing in my ear. No, it's not from me. It's not the equipment. It's your head. Hallelujah. You know what? I, I just really feel like this place is a place of purification. You know, and God has given you a, a charge to steward a place of purification. And you know, um, please, brother, and those of you that are Join to the Lord in this place. Never be bothered by numbers of people. Because most people don't want to be purified. You know, they want to be entertained. You know, they want... They want you know, the process of purification is difficult. The process of purification is often painful. You know, and um, the, the people who really love God are hungry for that because they sense in themselves um, the... Um, the things that are impure, they sense in themselves the, the things that stop them or hinder them, you know. And uh, without the love and grace of God, and there is definitely this um, um, hyper-grace uh, evil that's perpetrated. There's definitely this uh, extreme perversion of the grace of God that basically, as you said, lets people do whatever they want because, you know, your sins are forgiven past, present, future. So it doesn't matter what you do. Everything is good. Go and sin and enjoy yourself. I mean, really, if you crystallize it down, that's what it says. And then people just, oh, this is great. You know, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. My fire insurance is paid in full and I can go and do whatever the hell I want and underline the word hell in that sentence. And the devil says, yeah, come on, there's a party. But it's not God's party, you know. And people who, you know, who are, listen, look. If people are looking for an excuse to sin, the world is full of excuses to sin. But God is, as you said, God is looking for a people that he can teach and train and equip and empower us. And so as we were worshiping, and we haven't really finished worshiping, you know, because the, in worship there's purification, you know, the, do you agree with me? And if you do, then that's all I need, you know. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's two hands. There's three hands. Hallelujah. So I want you to know, I'm sensing that in the spirit. We're not, we're, we're not stopping worship. You know, we're just taking a little kind of, you know, take a step back and let the Lord do something in the worship. And this is one of the reasons why so many of us are frustrated in so many churches in what they call their worship service because we know that no worship actually is going on. You know, we're singing songs, but we're never really stepping into another realm where worship can actually happen. That is where God can do transforming, purifying work in our hearts. And isn't, and isn't it wonderful that when we step into the places of purification, we're never, 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 never stepping into a place of condemnation. We're never stepping into a place of rejection. We're never stepping into a place of rebuke. We're always stepping into a place of the real grace of God, the authentic grace of God that pours into you so you can come into the presence of God. So we're not afraid of the holiness of God because the grace of God brings us to the place where that holiness, that power, that purification can do its healing salutary work inside of us. So the, the holiness of God is not something that, we, that we're afraid of. It's something that we embrace because it does a, a work in us, making us like Him, which is really freeing us from everything inside of us that as you get closer to the light of God and the truth and the Word of God, you realize, oh, these things are my enemy. They've been attached to me from the beginning. They're my stuff. How many of you have stuff? If you don't raise your hand now, you have to repent or I have to change the whole message into one of repentance because we all have stuff, you know, and, you know, we will have stuff until we have a different body, you know, because that glorified body will be stuffless. Hallelujah. Now, I've never preached on the stuffless glorified body, but it's going to, you know, I love the way the Lord gives these new things. 
Because there's so much more. Isn't it so wild that there's so much more? I just, and God has such a great sense of humor. You know, he really does. You know, people say, boy, that was, that was really funny. And I say to people, yeah, but I'm not that clever. It's God. And how cool is that? That he has this great sense of humor. And he loves to play with us. You know, he loves to, to enjoy us and he wants us to enjoy him. So there's this worship today, here, now. <coughs> Excuse me. I want us to take advantage of this moment that we have together to enter into realms of worship, to let God do a deep transformative work in us. That was a good place to say amen. And again, I just want to encourage you, Andy and Heidi and the Bushfire family, you know that God is giving you a stewardship of a place of purification to bring those who want it. And you know, they're not coming to be members, they're coming to be purified. You know, they're coming to sit in the midst of the fire, to sit in the midst of the kind of authentic worship that the Lord is calling out of you. You know, that freedom that your spirit agonizes for when you intercede for people because you, want, you feel like sometimes you're dragging them. You're dragging them and you're wondering in your heart, why aren't they coming? This is so good. Don't you know this is so good? Why are you holding back? So can we repent of holding back? Just as a favor for Heidi today, unto the Lord and unto our sister, we repent of holding back. Because, you know, and, and, and part of your job in stewarding the anointing of worship on your life is not to get frustrated. You know, so you have to steward your soul when you're dragging them. It's like you have little children, and they don't know what they're doing. And so we have to train. How many of you are little children? If your hand is not up, we have to repent again. So, hallelujah. So, you know, as kids who don't know, and then finally the kids get to the place and say, Mommy, this is really great. What took us so long? Well, I've been trying to take you to this place. And God is trying to take the body into these places of encounter with Him. But it begins in worship. We enter into His courts with praise. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Into His places, you know. And um, he, he is beckoning a people who will come. And you know, you become igniters of fires in other people's lives. Because something around you... That aroma that you may not smell, you know, that aroma of life unto life and and death unto death. So, you know, if you get persecuted and people resist you or reject you or get angry at you, don't be upset by that. This is an indicator that you're moving in the very aroma of God and that those who want it, they'll say they want to be around you. And they may not have the vocabulary to explain to you or express to you what it is that they're sensing, but they want to be around you because there's something, watch this, that has been released out of you because you've gone where they've never gone. Because you've gone into a deeper place. And this, this place, this building, this ministry is a place where that kind of swirl can take place. Where we can go into real worship. And it's worship that goes beyond words, beloved. It's worship that goes from spirit to spirit. That transcends human language. You know, this is the mystery, some of the mysteries of God. Paul writes that when we pray in the spirit we're, uh, or uh, 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 sing in tongues or whatever, we're singing mysteries to God that transcends our intellect. You know, when you, in human religion, we like to understand. You know, we like to understand the message. We like to understand what's going on. But I tell you, the Lord wants to bring us into places where we're no longer focusing on what we understand. We're just allowing something we've never encountered before to happen. And how precious is it that you're willing to take on the responsibility uh, as parents, if you will, to steward this kind of place of purification, you know, where, um, you know, and God has put that steel in your soul, you know, that passion, you know, he's built you like that for such a time and such a ministry like this to be able, amen, give him, can we we thank the Lord for our brother? (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, this is really important. 
It's really important because we are all human souls and we need human approbation, human encouragement. We need the thanks because the enemy will come and, and, and attack in the dark nights of the soul. You know, you're wasting your time. This is stupid. You could be doing other things. And then, you know, that's the battle. So when we have gatherings like this and the Holy Spirit stops for a minute and says, well done, son, keep it up. I built you to create this kind of a place because the Holy Spirit is looking around the earth for places such as this and people such as you. Because what you get here, you personalize, and so you become a place of purification yourself. There are the aura, if you will, the aroma, the spiritual space that you walk in as it gets purified. You understand what I'm saying to you? You're walking in a place of personal purity. So there's that zone, if you will, that's impervious to demons because there's nothing in you that the demons can get to. Do you understand? You're walking in a realm of light. And as you move in that realm of light, it touches other people and they get attracted or repelled. And the fact that they get repelled should not discourage you. It should encourage you because it's evidence to you that you're walking in the light and they don't want it. Do you understand? And that other people who do want it, you know, something, you will have conversations, you know, they're like instant conversations. How many of you know that God is able to do instant things? You're with somebody and all of a sudden, instantly, before you know it, you're in a deep place with them and you say, how did I get here? You know, and you're thinking in your head, how did I get here? And words are coming out of your mouth. You say, oh man, I have to remember what I'm saying because I'm not this smart. Hallelujah. And you know, people are thinking, ma, you're so wise. Well, yes. <laughs> and you know, you're not going there because we're, God is taking us into these spiritual realms. How many of you want to go there? You know, the, I know you're here today because you do want to go there. And I'm only saying that to say to the Holy Spirit, yes, Lord, we're affirming with each thought and each phrase that you're bringing to us. Yes, Lord, we want to be these kind of people. You know, I, I have this thing for purification, you know, all the junk, the stuff, as much stuff as God can get out of me because I realize. They hinder me. You know, my own stuff, thoughts and feelings and all the junk that we, the human junk that comes with our corrupt old nature. You know, and, and, and part, one of the wonderful things that worship does is it exposes it and it gives us an opportunity to repent, you know, because we're coming into a God who, is, who wants to purify us so that he can fill us with himself. You know, he, he, he has to get the junk out before he can come in. Got to kind of cleanse the temple moment, you know, so that he can, because he, he wants to fill us all with light, you know, and he wants our life to be joined with his life, you know, our life to be joined with, with, with his life. And, um, you know, he never wants to eradicate your personality. He wants to fill your personality with his stuff and remove your personality from the corrupt stuff of our human existence. Do you understand? This is the essence of discipleship. The essence of discipleship is just what I've said to you. It is removing all of our old negative junk and filling it with God's glory and his light and his plans and his purpose and his personality. And all of those things join to you. This is why he created us, you know, so he could fill us with himself and have us to hang out with, you know, and to play with in all the diversity of our unique expressions of his life. You know, so please never, 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 never compare yourself with anyone else. Never, 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 never think, oh, I wish I was them. This is really actually a sin before God, because what you should be saying is, Lord, I want to be who you've made me to be. You know, I heard someone once say this, you have to be yourself because everybody else is taken. Now, that's really actually a very profound because so many times we look, oh, I wish I could sing like her or dance like him or write like them or preach like them or whatever. And really, what, by saying that, you're really minimizing who you really are and you're not discovering, Lord Jesus, that's wonderful that I can read that book or listen to that song or enjoy their voice or whatever. And those things are gifts to us. But really, then the Lord wants you to be looking, but Lord, what's the treasure in me? And who am I before you? And I want to focus on that which you're doing in me, the uniqueness of Jesus in all of us. 
Do you understand? Because some of that negative stuff, it really, the enemy is a master at making, at deceiving us and looking, you know, in the wrong places. That's why the Bible continually teaches us to focus our eyes on Jesus and look to him, the author and perfecter, the beginning and the ender of our faith. So the places of worship, and I just want to encourage you in the gift of worship that's in you, you know, to continue to dig deep, you know, into worship. And, um, and to have a real authority in worship, you know, an authority over the songs, an authority over the words. So if a, if, a, if a song comes to you, you know that you have authority to change the words. You have authority to get on the computer and change the words. And if somebody says, well, you changed my words, you say, no, excuse me, they weren't your words. Do you understand that? You may have written them down, but they're not your words. And the Lord has given me an authority to change his words that he gave to you because they're not your words. Now, you can copyright it and sell it, and that's the reason they copyright it is because of money. But this isn't about money. This is about worship and creating and just to release. Do you understand that God wants to give you all authority, an authority to, co- to create a place of purity, a place of purification, not, not, I want to I cha- make sure I, I say this to you correctly. Not a place of purity. Because if you think I have to create a place of purity, you'll be kind of a sin inspector. You know what I mean? Everybody comes in. Let me show me your papers. Show me your papers. Do you have your sin right? Get rid of you. You know, we can't. How many of you have been around places like that? You know, and people are looking at you. Hmm. I'm the sin inspector in this church. I have a badge and everything. Hallelujah. Hmm. How many of you have had those moments? He's had those moments. He's smiling at me. You know, hallelujah. Mm. Yeah, really? Yes. I'm not so sure. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. The way you dress your shoes. Have, have you been in church with the shoes? Oh, never mind. That's a, an old story of mine. You know what I mean? It's like, hmm. <laughs> How silly is this? So, um... This is really an important moment for some of us to really get. Not places of purity, because in fact, we're always will be impure in, in the process of being purified. So this is a place of purification. So when the impure come, we welcome them because they've come to be purified. So we don't keep them out because they're not yet at our standard of purity which we don't have really, because we dress up our sin. Do you understand that? We put clothes on, our religious clothes, to dress up our sin, you know, and and fool thinking that we fool one another. You know, well, you're not dressed for church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, and they, they, they look at you because of the, you know, this kind of wrong way of understanding what holiness is. Because it's not ever the external. There will be an external expression of it. But it's not external. It's always the issues of the heart and the purity. So I believe in the spirit that there is a place of purification here. So therefore, we welcome every kind of sinner in every kind of active sin that they're in. You know, and the door's not closed to anybody no matter what because they're sinners. We're all sinners. It's just a matter of how we judge. Well, your sin is worse than their sin. Oh, my God, they're in that sin. You know, well, I'll tell you what, all sinners are welcome to the place of purification. That's why you were praying and, and, and exhorting uh, 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 and, and, um, in your prayer and exhortation for us earlier, you know, in, uh, and lifting up the cross. And that's what this is. It's a place of purification. And part of, part of the process of purification, beloved, is learning really how to worship. And not just singing songs, but entering into that flow of worship that really welcomes as you beckon the Holy Spirit to come. And so he comes as this river or this wind of God and starts to move in people. And in a place of purification, people are free to learn how to express themselves in new places of purification. Because as they get free from what other people are thinking, all of a sudden their feet are starting to move in ways that they never, you know, never moved. How many, you know what I'm talking about? There's somebody with free feet. Hallelujah. You know, and um, because their, their, their feet never got free, to use, that, to, to, to use this kind of little uh, moment here of instruction for you. 
And all of a sudden, something starts to release in them, and their hands start to move. And they're wondering, what is this? Am I Pentecostal now? Or I don't know. What is this? Hallelujah. And people are looking at you like, what are you doing with your hands? I don't know. I'm not even sure if it's connected to my body. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, stuff starts to happen because we're actually encountering God and the moving of the Spirit and something, uh, the, all of the restraint that said, oh, I can't do that. And I mustn't do that. And what will people think? And when we're in the trap of what will people think, we're really in a trap. So you can't do anything. Because there's that lie. What will someone think? Now you're in the trap of people's thoughts. This is a really big trap. Because it, even, it goes well beyond the what will people say. Now you're concerned about what people thinking. This is really a bad place to be. Because when you turn around, you look, you've got all of these heads and they're filled with thoughts. And, 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 you know, and I know this will be a great revelation to some of you, but they're not all thinking about you. Because <laughs> you, you won't do it because they're thinking about me. And what will they? No, no, they're not. Believe me, they're not thinking about you. Because, in fact, you're not that important to them. Really? That was a good place to say amen. Mm. You know, and then you realize it was a lie from the devil to stop you by making you think they're thinking about you and, and you're concerned about, <coughs> excuse me, what they're thinking about. When all of that stuff starts being purged out of you through the worship, purged out of you through the process of purification, whether it's preaching or teaching or exhorting one another or praying for one another or rebuking one another, how many of you are rebukable? couple more, more, hallelujah. How many of you are willing to rebuke somebody? Mm, not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do because you've got to rebuke yourself first. Do you understand that? The people who rebuke you without rebuking themselves first are neither doing you or themselves any favors because the life of God is never flowing in that because it always comes out in the flesh and condemnation. But when someone has rebuked themselves, i.e. got the beam out of their own eye before they start looking at the speck in your eye, when that starts to happen, then life starts to flow because their hearts are broken. And they're not rebuking you to put you down. They're rebuking you and saying, why are you letting that lie control your life? Don't let it control your life. Come on, let's go to the higher places. Let's go to the deeper places. And you know, most people don't want to go into the depths of God. You know, we like superficial. That's why hyper grace is attractive to many people, because it gives them an excuse for superficial spirituality. You know, but God is looking, as we've heard several times today, and we're hearing in the Spirit, He's looking for a people, you know, and He's always been looking for the people. You know, from Abraham on down, you know, He's always been looking for those people who will say, yes, Lord, we value you more than we value us. We value you more than we value gold and diamonds and stuff. You know, we value you more than we value the house or the car or the yacht or the whatever. And God isn't against those things. Please do not misunderstand me. May God bless your finances and have you like stuff. I like stuff. May you have the good stuff. But may it never have you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You know, God is not a God of poverty. Poverty is a curse from hell, you know. And um, God has given us freely all things to enjoy. So we have to watch the balance of this too. But what he's interested in is taking us deeper, you know, in worship and learning. Uh, uh, one phrase that keeps coming into my heart is, is in learning how to luxuriate in worship, you know, to soak in it. You know, you've all had this experience, you know, of soaking in a warm tub and just letting the warm water just bring healing to your to your tired bones and sore muscles. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, and um, there is a place of just luxuriating and letting the worship, because you know in your heart it's not going to stop because the clock is ticking. You know, I don't have to get out of the tub, you know, because the clock is ticking. I could just stay here until the master moves us to the next level. Do you understand? What I'm... And you're, you've been given this opportunity to create this place here for those whom the Lord will bring. And he will bring them. He will bring them because the word will start to touch people, you know, and say, well, you know, there's a place that you can come to. And we're going to worship and just luxuriate in it. And they'll hear like a phrase like that or other phrases. And they'll go, 
what does that mean? I really liked it. Someplace inside of me really liked that, but I don't know what it means. So where, where, I, I want to find out more about that. Do you understand? And they're going to come and, they're, and everybody, the first timers, they all come with skepticism because they've all been hurt. So they're all going to stand in the back or something and give you the funny looks. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Are you people okay? What is this place? But they're, they're in the moment of approach avoidance because their spirit is, is, is drawing them in and their stuff is wanting to avoid it. You know, the demons that they've come in. How many of you understand people come in with demons? How many of you realize you have demons? See, if you think you don't, then you need deliverance from believing that you don't. Not that you're demonized, but there are demons attached to our thoughts and feelings. You know, and they come to church. They're not afraid of the anointing. They're not afraid of the worship. They want to know what's going on so they can lie to you to prevent you from getting what God wants to give you. And so you have all these kind of flies flying around, you know, trying to, no, you can't do that and you mustn't do that. And don't sing, don't shout, don't stand, don't play, don't, you know, all the not. You know, the demons are really good at negative stuff. No, no, don't, don't, can't, can't, can't. Just die, you know, go home, you know, live, just go back to what, you follow what I'm trying to say. So all of these kinds of things are part of the process of purification. So when we recognize people are coming with their stuff, it's okay, we embrace them. We don't justify it. We don't allow them to stay in it. We would rebuke them if necessary. But we're embracing everybody so that all that the Lord wants to do, he can do. And we're continuing on our God-given assignment to create the place of purification for those who want it. And, you know, here's the thing. There are some people who want to be purified a little bit and then leave. Then there'll be people who like that little bit of purification and think, can I really get more of this? That was a good place to say amen. Can I really get more? And they'll, you know. And then there are people who will be called to be participants in the process of purification. And they'll come to you and say, I know this is where I'm supposed to labor for the king. You know, not just join the church, but a place of serving the purposes of God. Not just becoming a member here. Because sometimes the members are, I really like it, but don't give me any responsibility. You know, I really like it, but don't ask me to do anything because I'm not that pure. I like the little bit of purity and I like watching other people get purified, but I really don't want to do anything like clean the teacups, you know. Which is, by the way, part of the process of purification. Well, that was an important place to say amen. Just help the tea ladies out, hallelujah. Or the tea brothers, hallelujah. Because all of this, you know, all this practical stuff is very spiritual. It's really, really very spiritual. One of the first teachings the Lord ever gave me years ago was called the sacredness of the mundane. That everything is sacred to God. And, you know, whether you're vacuuming in your home or cleaning up, all of this is, is sacred to God if he tells you to do it. You know, and the Lord says, you clean under your bed and you're afraid of what, the, because you think the, the monsters are still under there. How many of you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, and uh, it's like, oh, you rebuke that. That's not God. What does God care about the state of what's under my bed? I don't even care about what's this. But God is concerned about it because he's concerned about you obeying him. And when you do it, it's an act of sanctification that brings the pleasure of God upon your life. And you're like, the God of eternity was really pleased with me that I cleaned under my bed. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Now, some of the wives are thinking, I'm going to get my husband now. to. I've been asking him for years to clean under the bed. How many? Or the top of that closet. Scary places, right? Hallelujah. So, we've got all of these levels of things that God wants to um, deal with. And he's looking for people who will say yes. You know, it's not complicated. It's deep and sometimes difficult, but it's not complicated. It is simple to understand. It is not easy to apply. Because in the process of applying it, that's where the purification has to take place. And the Lord is looking for a people who will, who will let the Lord do this work of purification. And... Um, it's all done by the Spirit. There is no formula for this. Because everybody is a unique vessel. This is what you, you know. There are biblical principles. That's what we stand with. And we apply biblical principles. But other than that, 
you know, we have to have the revelation. This is really important. The revelation of the Holy Spirit and how to disciple one another and how to teach one another and how to explain to one another. Otherwise, we tend to create formulas that are easy for us. I know what worked for me, therefore it has to work for you. But what works for oranges doesn't work for apples. You know, it just doesn't. And as much as you try to make that apple into an orange, they are going to resist it. They will do orange things and still come out apples. And you'll be really frustrated with them. Why are you still an apple? You have been doing orange things and then they get condemned. Do you understand the analogy that somebody tries to fit you into something to make you that you're really not? Rather than asking the question, okay, what does a purified you look like? What does a purified you look like? And then working with the Holy Spirit to bring that purified individual out and not saying, well, you have to look like him and you have to look like her and they have to look, everybody has to look like me. How many of you understand? That's what, how a cult starts where cultic leaders want to have to control everybody and in order to control everybody, you have to cut off their individuality and uniqueness and make everybody like you because you understand yourself so you can control it. That's a cult. It is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is we're wanting to help each other discover who you really are in that purified reality. And giving people freedom to do that. Freedom is such a powerful word in the kingdom of God because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And, and we have to learn how to live in our own freedom. And the next level is learning how to give other people freedom when you don't like it. This is another level of your purification is people are doing stuff and you are worked up about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you are unwilling to admit to that? Hallelujah. You know, you think, well, we preach freedom and I like freedom. But then you realize, oh my God, goodness, I have put limits of freedom on other people because I don't like what they're doing. So now you have to decide, are you going to rebuke them because of your stuff? Or are you going to rebuke yourself because of your stuff and say, you know, I don't understand that, but that's all right. My name isn't Jesus. And I'm going to let them and I'm going to enjoy the moment and say, okay, Lord, if that's really you and I'm wrong, I receive the correction and the rebuke. That was a good place to say amen. Or... I'm going to come and have a conversation. Look, I don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, but I'm not rebuking or correcting or trying to stop you. I'm just saying I don't understand it. So what's happening with you while you're doing this or while you're, you know, and, and, you know, create a, a place of dialogue and walking in the light and then saying, you know what, I don't understand it. But what I don't understand is not your limitation. Do you understand that? What you understand is not someone else's limitation. What someone else does not understand about you is not your limitation. And it should not be ours. What we should just simply be is say, well, let's look at the fruit of this. You know, years ago, there was a move of the Holy Spirit and everybody was being, quote unquote, slain in the spirit. You know, and what we used to do is just look at the fruit of the person. Did they have some kind of emotional experience? Was it in the flesh or was the Lord really doing something while they were on the floor? And, you know, it was on the floor and out the door. And what happened next? And the people who had authentic encounters with God, they were changed. You know, they were changed. They got delivered from all kinds of stuff. And there were people who were looking for a feeling. They were looking for a thrill. You know, and that God was a source of entertainment for them. And a source of, I don't know, whatever spiritual, I mean, you know, it's like a carnival. You know, and it didn't have any lasting fruit. But people who are really being purified will bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And new fruit will come out of their lives. And for some of us, we'll be surprised at our own fruit. How many of you want to be surprised in your life? I'm really excited to say this to you, that God is a God of surprises. And he's more creative than you imagine him to be. And he can do things in you and with you and through you that go beyond your ability to imagine right now. This excites me. It's like, Lord, you have so much more for me. What is that going to look like? (laughs) But then he doesn't tell us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because we have to walk in it and be prepared and changed to receive what starts to come out of us. Otherwise, you could get frightened by it. You know, you could begin to get visions and go, what do I do with this? Or get your, you know, you're in a meeting and all of a sudden the word of the Lord comes and God wants you to be on the platform prophesying it and you're like, I think I'll die. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? And some of you are unwilling to admit it. That's okay. I call you to repent. Hallelujah. So, you know, these kinds of things happen. So God prepares you for it. And so much of this preparation, so much of this instruction, so much of this removal of stuff happens in real worship. You know, where we're just, we can just luxuriate in the presence of the Lord and allow various forms of worship to take place. And, you know, there are people in times and seasons of worship where some people will be very active, say, singing or dancing, and other people sitting quietly or just laying on the floor or or looking stunned. (laughs) That's okay. You know, we just let them be stunned until they're not stunned anymore. Well, that was a good place to say amen. Because otherwise we tend to judge them. Why aren't they entering in? Well, they're stunned. That's why they're not. And we don't know what's going on in someone's heart. But this is all part of the process of stewarding a place of purification, for creating levels of freedom in our own hearts, in your hearts, in everybody's heart. That, because it's not like church as normal, you know, or as usual. Because so much of what church as normal was aberrant, had moved away from these patterns, you know, that literally changed nations. Because, you know, when revivals came in, all this stuff was brought into the wind. You know, it was just, uh, it, was like the, it was like a storm blew in and all the junk came, in, came into the wind. And one of the reasons revivals failed, beloved, is because the leaders couldn't handle the junk surfacing. And they couldn't handle the people not handling it. And there were all these complaints You know, what about this guy and this guy and that guy? And why are they doing this and why are they doing that? And I don't like it and I'm so uncomfortable and I'm so unhappy. And why can't we have a normal church? All these weird wackos, fruits and nuts, you know. What do you have, a sign out there? It says, every fruit and nut in Sheffield, you're welcome. You know, with times when God would move through our ministry, or, or you know, that's what I felt like. God, is that who you're bringing? Am I, do I, am I running a mash unit here? Is there a healthy person being saved? No, no. They're all wounded in the battles of life, and they're called to get healed. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? But we together, we, we have to, listen, you have to help one another. This is not a me and Jesus walk. This is a we and Jesus walk. And you can't just rely upon a set of leaders. To do it, we all have to pick up our part and our responsibility. So when the Lord says, do it, you do it. And you don't have to have it all together. You know, you don't have to be perfect and say, oh, I'm not. You just have to be humble before the Lord and go go to someone and say, can I pray for you? And then watch God do the work in answer to prayer. And someone comes to you with a question. And you could say to them, you know, I don't know. And then the answer comes out of your mouth. So before you could say, I don't know, you actually do know. And then you have to remember what you said because it's really good. How many of you had moments like that? Words of knowledge. See, the Lord begins. He's instant, instant, instant. Faster than fast. Faster than you can think. It comes out of your mouth and comes into your spirit. Because God is able to impart information to you without words. Do you understand that? The only way you and I can communicate is with words. You know, I'm yes, there's nonverbal communication and looks and faces and all of that. But that's limited forms that we then have to explain with words. But God doesn't need words. He can just impart revelation to you of a massive quantity all in a flash of time and you know it. Or he could speak out of your mouth things that you've never, never known before. Just instantaneously, you know. And um, he's looking for us to live in this life. And, you know, when he's looking to create places just like this. And in fact, as you mature in your stewardship of the worship and the word and the discipleship, you become a model for others who didn't even know they were looking for a model. They just knew something was wrong. Oh, my goodness. How many times have people come to me and said... What's, I know something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong and I don't know what's right, but I can't continue in church as, it, as it's existed for me because something is radically wrong and I don't know what it is. Am I deceived? And I'd say to them, no, but you've got to dig into what the Spirit of God is saying to you. So there will be leaders and other people just to come and watch you know, and, and, then, and, and then we send them out, and, you know, because the Lord is looking to create places like this. This is a very serious moment here, beloved. 
You know, because the enemy knows the power of a place of purification and would do his level best to try and stop it or or if he can't stop it, take it off a little bit, you know, because people will come in soulish things. And, you know, you need to pray for Andy and, and Heidi because and, and Janet and I as well as we go and help ministers like this in different places. You know, there, there, we, we, there are assignments of other kinds of demons that are not on assignment against you. You know, that would come to try and make us weary. You know, then Paul exhorts us, don't be weary in well-doing. You know, if you, if you, if you don't faint, you will, be, you will receive the reward because it's the Lord Christ whom we serve. You know, and so all of that. So it's important, you know, just to sometimes a pat on the back and say, you know, I don't really get all you're doing, but I know it's the Lord, so keep on doing it. Even something like that, you know. Either just keep going for it. We all, listen to me, we all need the pat on the back. We, one of the vitamins that's missing in the body of Christ is the vitamin of encouragement. Even a smile that even when you could, even if you're, you know, being honest and say, you know, pastor, I don't get all that happens here, but I know it's God and I know it's good. So keep it up and help me to learn because we're all learners. Some of us are low learners. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You are lo- a low learner. I'm getting there in the end, but I'm getting there. Hallelujah. And that's okay to be a, a slow learner, you know, but, to, but you're putting the, yourself in the place of learning. You're not rejecting it. And so many people do so many, but that's okay. Jesus said there would only that the, the way in is very narrow. The path is very narrow. And he said, few people find it. The broad way is filled with people. You know, because it's easy. Whatever the hell you want to do, do it. Who gives a damn? Excuse my language, but that is the language of the Broadway. It's the, you know, that is the language of the Broadway. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Don't hurt anybody. Everything's good. You know, you know, you're a good person. You'll go to heaven. Well, that's not true, but, um, but that's the, that's the mentality of the world. And Satan is the God of that world. And yeah, it's absolutely the counterfeit. And, you know, here we are being called into the kingdom. Now it's, you know, we have to relearn things. We have to learn how to think differently. Our minds have to be renewed. The way we relate to one another. We have to have lots of patience with one another. Have you realized that you need patience with one another? Oh, that's that moan of patience. I know that. We all have, it's the moment of moaning. Yes. How long ago? And the Bible says God is long-suffering. That means he suffers a long time. Hallelujah. Because we need to, because, you know, when you look at one another and you go, my God, this is a project. Oh, this is a project. Oh, give me a cup of tea or something stronger. I, it's going to take a time. So let's take a breath and say, okay. <laughs> and then you got to just enjoy the ride. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we have to learn how to enjoy one another and recognize the great entertainment value we have for one another. You know, like, like and not be bent out of shape because they're not performing. Well, just enjoy what they're not doing then. You know what I mean? And just laugh at it. You know, we have to learn laughter is a strategy the Bible says that laughter will heal your bodies. That laughter will, redu- re- re- will, will release hormones, um, serotonin, endorphins, and things like that that literally kill cancer cells, that literally kills infections. You know, even before you get sick, it's because you laughed your way to health. You know, and we should be laughing. You know, there are some people who, you know, there was a time when the Lord started to move in laughter, you know, and people got really upset with that. And so it stopped because, well, we, don't, we won't laugh in our church. And as soon as somebody, God forbid, dared to smile because they might laugh, we don't go for that laughter stuff. Then and then, right, exactly. Of course, everything that God does, Satan is the counterfeiter. There were counterfeits in the flesh and people doing stuff in the flesh. But there are genuine moments 
of divine laughter that are exquisite. The very first time I led communion at the selection point in Auschwitz in 2005 was one of the most profound and impelling experiences of my life. I couldn't talk about what I experienced at that moment. We left Poland. We came back to the United States. I had a short period of time where we, Janet and I, we didn't even have words to talk about what we experienced. And I was asked to speak in North Carolina at a retreat. And we went there, and this thing is stirring in me, so I had to share, I shared with everybody as much as I could, telling them what happened and asking them to pray. Now, literally, this is what happened to me. I'm coming to the end of the message. I was on this platform, and I, I, I literally, I took a step onto this place in the platform, and I literally fell into a pool of laughter. I could not stop. Everything was hysterical. I couldn't preach. I couldn't talk. All I could do was laugh. All I could do was sit down and laugh. And the woman who was running the ministry, who she and her husband were some of the first people, Southern Baptists, American Southern Baptists, who got baptized in the Holy Spirit back in the early 60s. They were some of the first. And uh, um, she's looking at me. And she's staring at me because she knows me. She has this respect for me. She's staring at me and like, have you lost your mind? And I'm just looking at this face. Everything is hysterical. Do you understand that? Everything is hysterical. I'm just laughing, 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 laughing. And um, ridiculously hysterical. It's just laughing. And she looks at me and she says, I want some of that. So I said, Minnie. Her name was Minnie Coleman. I said, Minnie, sit here. Just sit here. <laughs> just sit here. So she got up, you know, full of skepticism, but full of faith because she was a woman of God. And she got up right for your sitting pastor. She sat next to me and she fell into the pool and just started laughing. Nobody had seen her like that ever. And she's just hysterically laughing. Now, while this is going on, the brother playing the piano in the back is watching all of this thinking, Morgan, you have lost your mind. And now you've infected her. So he had all of this skepticism. Listen to me. There is a place of righteous skepticism. Because otherwise the demons will have a heyday yanking everybody's chain. And all kinds of carnal stupidity will go on. And the things of God always bear the fruit of God. And it's not just stupidity. You know, it's not just craziness. Anything goes, anything goes. It's just not that at all. There's a balance to all of this. So he's playing the piano, looking at all of this, in his heart, just rejecting it. Six months later, he's leading worship at another one of these gatherings. I'm not there. I get the report. Same place, same platform. So he's pleased. This is a report. He's playing the piano, right? He finishes and he says, Lord, I'm going to step over there. And see what happens to me. Because he thought it would be nothing, right? So here he stands. He told me. He said, I saw what happened. He, because he said, I took a step and it opened up for me. And he fell into this pool of incredible joy and laughter. And while it's going on, he said, I can't believe it's happening to me. It was a one of these, I don't believe in this moment. And, and it's happening to him. And so Minnie really, she had a time with him after that. So I know from my own experience, there are times of this Holy Spirit laughter that's not carnal and it's not contrived because the things in the flesh are contrived. People get psyched up. People are manipulated. People are coerced. People are challenged. They're intimidated and tried to make, made to feel bad if they don't conform, you know, and then it's all stupidity and there's no godly fruit. No... Yeah, it wasn't about, you know, trying to psych them up. And, you know, there is, a, there is a humor, of course, and we laugh at it. But that's not what that was. And the, later that, day, that night, as I was before the Lord, asking what happened. And he, God said, I was just healing some of what happened to you in Auschwitz. You know, because it was so heavy and so intense. 
you know, and, and God detricked me. It's like, he, you know, you don't know. You, you didn't know that over there there was a pool and you're about to step in it. So some of you are thinking, I wonder if God will open one over there. I don't know. Maybe he will. I don't know. How cool is that? But in the place to see the process of purification is not always heavy. There are times when it is. Other times it's full of joy and lightness and laughter. And you know every... Because you, you're, the, the, you're free from the junk. Your fear, you, you, you called fear out at the very beginning of our meeting. When the fear is gone, the lightness fills your soul. When all of a sudden you're freed from, oh my God, I don't care what you think anymore. Hallelujah. And they're running around and running around. You know, because inside they just got free and they no longer care. That you're they're, you're they're running and they're no longer concerned what you think about them running anymore. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we don't, we don't say, okay, now we're going to run to get free. No, it is a work of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life. And we create a freedom in our heart for everybody to be free. This, listen to me, creating such spaces and stewarding them is not easy. The devil will fight this in all kinds of ways. This is why it is so important that we encourage one another and we humble ourselves before one another. And this is extremely important. We give one another permission to make mistakes. We're not judging or criticizing. If there's an issue, we don't gossip about one another. Why did he do that? Why did she do that? Can we just repent of all the nyanyas? We don't do that. And you don't let anybody do it to you. If somebody has a problem with somebody, don't let them bring their problem to you. It's none of your business. It's called gossip. If somebody has a problem with somebody and they want to bring it to you, say, why are you bringing it to me? Don't be a gossip. Go to the person you have the problem with. But now that you brought it to me, I'm going to give you 24 hours to go to them. Because if you don't, I'm going to them and and tell them that you have a problem and make sure this gets straightened out. Because part of my stewardship of the place of purification is that there's no sin of gossip going on in the camp. Because part of learning from mistakes is, why did you do that? I want to learn. So we go to one another with humility and say, I don't understand why that happened. Explain that teaching to me. Why did you pick up that flag? What is the deal with the flags anyway? Why do you like do that? Does it, do, you, do you like colors? Like what's going on here? You know, and, and sitting because we've had that happen where people and then the, the dancers or the flag wavers or whatever. They said, well, let me tell you what happened to me. You know, why do you blow that funny thing? What do you call that? The shafar? I don't know. You know, and they, and because they've had no experience with it. So they, and then the, the gal, this is just one story of many, you know, said, well, let me tell you what happened to me because there was a time I was in your, in, in your place and I didn't know what the thing was. You know, I didn't even know how to pronounce the name. And then, wow, and the next thing you know, that person is blowing it and like something is getting set free and said, how do I get one of these? La, 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 la. (laughs) So, you know, there's so many levels to this. But as we learn, if we humble our hearts before God in one another, if we walk in the light with one another, if we follow the biblical principles, because it's all laid out for us in the scripture, you'll see the singing and the dancing and the loud shouting and, and all of the things that are various expressions of worship that the church has been robbed of by the spirit of religion for centuries, millennia, you know, that go back to the temple, you know, and go back even further, you know, models of biblical worship that Yahweh likes. Not worship that we like, but worship that he likes. We're not offering him strange fire, that is fire that comes from ourselves and what we like but offering him the fire that has come from him that we're offering back to him. In whatever ways that look, and we're not judging. This is so important. 
that we don't criticize one another in our hearts or give one another that look. That will stop the move of the Spirit of God. Yes, there are counterfeits, like with the whole laughter. There were lots of counterfeits, but there were authentic moves of the Spirit that were healing people on profound levels. They were being delivered from demons by laughing because the demons couldn't stand the laughter and left. And as they walked in the joy of the Lord, they didn't let those demons back anymore. Do you understand that? They were walking in the victory that Jesus had given them. So creating a place of purification, a place of freedom is very powerful. So we just, I just feel in my spirit this morning, you know, to just to encourage you to say, well done, keep going, because there's so much more. Amen. So much more. And you know, I know you and I, have, we've talked about revival and things about that. And the revival that's coming is not going to be like revivals in the past. You know, it's not necessarily going to be a lot of people getting saved, healed, delivered, baptized in the Spirit. There will be a level of it. But this, what you talked about, the purification and the preparing of the bride, you know. And so things like this, meetings like this popping up everywhere, you know. And then things you've learned, things we've learned. We go and we help, you know, create these places because we've, Gone there first. You know, we were a kind of a first fruits of it and because we said, yes, Lord, you know, uh, whatever. And, um, and you pay the price for the whatever. You know, it's like you're out of your mind. Eh, maybe so. But maybe not. You know, because many times, you know, when Janet and I first were called into ministry back in Brooklyn in the 70s, we were doing things intuitively that now we do intentionally because now we understand them. We didn't know about the song of the Lord. We didn't know that phrase, but we were singing the song of the Lord. We had banners and flags and dancing, and, you know, people would come and they would say, what is this church? What are you doing here? I'd say, I don't know, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> so we do it because we didn't know. We would just, the Lord put it in our heart, and we said, God, we just want you to come. We just want you to come and, and teach us. You know, one, I want to put you in a religious box because we were Jews that met the Lord Jesus. So that put us out of the Jewish camp. So we weren't going to join the Christian camp, you know, because we knew better than to do that. Because we knew that was wrong, you know. So we were kind of, well, here we are, Lord. We're Jews that are neither fish nor fowl. What do we do? So God, of course, causes us rent the Dutch Reformed Church. What else? And, you know, and go, okay, here we are. What do you want to do? So we learned how to worship. And did we have fights with worship teams? Oh, my God. I didn't know that people, that then we learned about, you know, the musicians and that temperament. And, you know, I mean, we'd show up and they'd be fight, literally on the piano bench fighting one another over who's going to lead worship that day. And it's like, oh, my God, what is happening? And I didn't know. I was a young pastor in the deep end. Of, I didn't. It's like. Whoa, how am I going to fix that? Can I fix it? Should I fix it? I don't even know what to do. I guess I'll just let them fight. I don't know. And you know, how many times did people come to the door and they get to the door and we're fighting, husbands and wives, fighting one another. It's like craziness was going on. People think, what are you running, a madhouse here? And I'm saying, well, I'm actually not trying to run anything. I'm just trying to ask the Holy Spirit to come. But what was happening is people were being purified. But we didn't have the maturity to steward it, and we learned many painful lessons. But now, you, all these years later, and learning from that, and not giving up, not giving up. We never give up. We never go back. We never surrender. We just present ourselves to the Lord, come under the blood of Jesus and the grace of God, righteous grace of God, that enables us to say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm going to have a cup of tea, hallelujah, because it's England. That's what you do here to overcome the devil, right? You have a cup of tea. You know, it's, you know you wait, uh, we'll put the kettle on, love. We'll have a cup of tea. Everything will be okay. The, the delivering power of a cup of tea, hallelujah. And you know, and then, and then, okay, Lord, you know, his mercies are new every morning. You forgive me for my mistakes. I repent for who I offended. I didn't do it right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We're just learning. And sometimes we're low learners, you know? We're just low learners. So we, we just kind of... So we need these kinds of principles to be operating because if you get it, listen to me say this to you, if you get it, God can begin to use you to touch other people's lives. And that's part of what's in his heart. 
That's why you cannot disqualify yourself on any level for anything. Because once you disqualify yourself, at the point of disqualification, your spiritual life stops. And you can't move beyond that because that's the prison the enemy puts you in because you believe that lie, I can't, I'm not, I'll never be able to, rather than, Lord, here I am, use us, you know. And we learn. We learn, we learn, we learn. And things that people see in Janet and I now, you know, it took us 40 years to learn a lot of this stuff. You know, through many, many, many experiences. So I can articulate it now with, an, with, an, with a relative ease in some of this because I've been through it, you know, and we've learned it over and over. And um, so we rejoice when we meet young people like this. And say, yeah, let's go for it. You know, and if we can help them, amen, you're young. Do you understand that? God, that's right. I, anytime anybody says to me, young man, I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 60 is the new 40. Did you get that revelation? Yes. There's a couple of people that did. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you catching all of this? Well, we're going we're gonna to pray now. And we'll have time for fellowship and, you know, questions and answers if you do. And then what time is the evening meeting? 7 o'clock. So we have a good time to break and hang out. So let's pray. Amen. And if you feel to, we can go into more worship, whatever you feel to do, or if we've had enough and we need to let some of this stuff sink in, you know, and have a coffee or a sandwich or whatever, you know, and uh, let's pray and seal this. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you have plans and purposes for each one of us. And you want to bring us into places of great freedom and liberty to love you and learn from you and to help one another love you more and learn from you more. We thank you that you are our teacher and that you delight to teach us. You delight to teach us. So, um, we just give all that has been shared and heard into your hands that the revelation of the Holy Spirit would impact our hearts and purify us on deeper and deeper levels, that we can, go, we can become freer and freer for your purposes in our lives and in the lives of so many people around the world, that you're going to be moving by your Spirit in this next season of our lives in such intense ways. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. And we're going to talk about this next season tonight. You know, because the Lord has spoken to us some things out of the 70th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz death camp. And what the Lord showed us when we were there for a week of prayer with intercessors from the nations. Ginny happened to be there with us. Yeah, Wendy, where's the wind blowing? Where is she? She's in the wind. There she is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, Wendy. Amen. So, Pastor.